Data scientists often do a lot of their work as batch processes written in Python, one form or another. When they want to migrate that to real-time systems, they can use any language they want as long as it's Java. That's not always a super comfortable move, which is a problem Bitewax is trying to solve. Today, I talked to Ali Makasova. She is the Director of Developer Relations at Bitewax, uh, all about that library and approach to stream processing in a Python native way. Let's check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real-Time Analytics Podcast. I am your host, Tim Berglund, and I'm joined today by my friend, Ali Makasova. Ali is the Director of Developer Relations at Bitewax. And Ali, I am really glad you're on the show today. Yay! Hello, everyone. And I'm really happy to be here, and I'm honored to be a guest and represent Bitewax as well. Excellent. Well, it's been... Too long, so good to see you and catch up, even if it's, even if I'm seeing you on a screen four feet away from me. Yeah. Um, so uh, you are at how long have you been at Pywax? Uh, since Fairly December. Recently. Yeah. Okay. So about six months. Yeah. Um, and I know what that's like. I've recently been uh, new at a new company um, at Star Tree here for a little more than a year, but I I, I definitely know what it's like to jump into a new part of the ecosystem and a new technology with yeah. all kinds of new details and, and master all that. And tell us uh, about Bitewax. What, what is it? Is it? Uh, uh, so uh, it's a new um, startup. Uh, not only uh, I joined it recently, but also I joined it as a uh, founding member of uh, a DevRel member. So um, we're just starting here and trying to find the message and everything. But overall, uh, our mission is to uh, make uh, data, stream, data streaming more accessible for Python users, uh, by which I mean uh, that even though there are a lot of solutions and they're good uh, for many use cases, still we found this niche where uh, we want to basically scale one the one Python developer uh, meaning that we um, like uh, the founders of the company the first developers they worked on bigger projects with github for example and uh, they were data scientists there data engineers and they saw that uh, when uh, data scientists working on their problems uh, and want to uh, use that solution in a real-time uh, context, uh, they start start to looking for tools that they could use. And the kind of canonical example would be to use uh, Apache Airflow um, okay. as the, yes. So they would use that to build like, uh, deck graphs and uh, send workflow, and they would do that in batches, like every uh, once in 24 hours, and then they would be like, oh, I want this more often and more often, and they would just change how often the uh, Apache Airflow would run. And eventually, it actually looks like, you know, I want uh, this job running like every 1.0001 millisecond, whatever. 
And then uh, they start to look for solutions. And Apache Flink comes to mind, of course, because that's that's what industry uses. And here, there is a problem. If you're a data, data scientist, there is no guarantee whatsoever that you ever worked with uh, JVM, you know how to exactly. tune it, and you know that's, that's a big chunk, and you're like, oh my God, uh, that's overwhelming. Do I hire people who are... Uh, professional in it? Uh, do I start to learn? And the learning uh, curve is steep. So, and, so basically you as a member, like as a um, data scientist, data engineer, Python user, you, you're just overwhelmed with the amount of effort you need uh, to put into making your like solution application, whatever uh, real time, uh, yeah. make it work in real time. Yeah. As a data scientist, you do all this batch work in the data lake yes. and interesting tools. You do it all in Python and you love your life. And now it's like the, the CTO says, great. Now make it real time. <laughs> yes. Okay, and well, so, uh, yeah. And as I said, yeah. And as I said, the obvious solution is Flink, but then you have to bring this entire ecosystem. And then how do you... Uh, um, like run a cluster, send your uh, fat jars there, and then it starts to, it, it wants to run your Python, and all of a sudden your Python dependencies are not there. So you're just like, oh my God, I need to install all this uh, peep install, blah, 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 on all my nodes. What do I do? And then uh, Flink a little, um, like it's mature, uh, I should say, and uh, doesn't work. Uh, as easy with uh, Kubernetes, for example, as some newer tools. Uh, so that's another problem. And basically, uh, Bytrax is trying to uh, serve these people who uh, face this problem that they want from their uh, Python code in Python ecosystem and have less problems. Flink for Python. Uh, there is PyFlink, though. Uh, okay. but, um, so I have to make like a little, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a Python developer. I've been doing Scala, JVM more, and, uh, um, I might not, um, explain that correctly, but PyFlink is the, uh, basically wrapper, uh, round, like it's an API, uh, which is not. Which is which? Which still makes a difference be, between like Python first solution as Bytrax mm -hmm. and uh, um, like something you know at home, like uh, yeah, Python, Python API for uh, Kafka, for example, which uh, you know also same thing, right? You have JVM solution and then you try to connect to it, so it doesn't yeah. eliminate the problem of dependency management and. Exactly. Oh, and the, the Python library for Kafka isn't a stream processing library. It's just a... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean it's just an example I was trying to yeah. uh, give uh, as a, you know, when you have uh, like two ecosystems in, in your project and when you right. don't necessarily want this. Uh, so, yeah, the appeal is to lower the barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that uh, the 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 
Python native life of the data science team can move over into the real-time world of event processing. And I mean, I guess presumably you would assume there's a Kafka cluster out there somewhere. Uh, yes. Probably. Yeah, something. And yeah, yeah, you yeah. just don't want these poor people do things in Flink or Kafka streams and, and learn a whole new ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, in terms of that, yes. Uh, so we, we, we have to keep in mind a little bit that uh, we also kind of uh, focus on things that are stateful um, because mm -hmm. if you have Kafka cluster and you just want to filter, transform, whatever, and send it like you don't care about state, you can just do like whatever solution you want. Actually, just send this to like Python microservice and send it back. So when you don't care about your state, uh, there are simple solutions. It's it's not like uh, you know. You you, yeah, you have to think about like, what could is going to be fine yeah, in that case. Yeah, and, and you just do that. Yeah, and Python cares, Bytrax cares about like state. We're trying to think about like window and recovery. Uh, at the same time, um, like correctness of what we do inside and uh, uh, convenience too, because again, um, this could be solved with uh, Flink. Uh, but convenience there because we are actually yeah I, I have to do a step back uh, we uh, use timely data flow um, engine inside which is written in Rust but oh. because Pio 3 exists uh, it allows to do like bindings and all this stuff and basically you can use uh, Rust inside Python uh, in a very uh, ergonomic and, uh, way, and even when you install um, Bytrax, for example, it just needs uh, because of the project called Maturing. I think uh, all you need to install it, you just go and do like pip install Bytrax, and uh, there is a bunch of uh, different libraries that use that. Rerun is another one that comes to mind. For, it's a library for visualization. Uh, but basically, yeah, that helps to use some uh, capabilities of this timely data flow engine and bring them into Python world. Yeah. Yeah, if, if we were talking about like uh, wrapping up the uh, Flink, then you still have to deal with the uh, JVM uh, ecosystem right. and like how you install right. it and everything. But here you don't have to worry about Rust that much because it's uh, leverages PyO3. Yeah, it's 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 uh, in the binary, as it were, and you don't have to worry too much about it. Yes. Um, I wonder if from like a, uh, I'm, I'm curious from an API standpoint, um, and mm -hmm. like I said before, I'm, I'm not a Python developer. I mean, I've hacked this, that, and the other thing, but I'm I'm not super fluent in that world. Guess either. what, Tim? Guess yeah, what? Right? Me neither. <laughs> and I haven't made any jokes about Scala yet. And it's been we've been in this ten yeah. minutes, and I've made no, no jokes to explain to Scala. Um, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get, I'll figure out a way to do that. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> no if, if Victor were here, then obviously it would have happened already. It's just yeah. you know we'll. we'll I'll, I'll make sure that that I uh, I do that to his satisfaction. I feel like he's going to be listening, and and he'll need that to happen. But um, 
uh, from a API standpoint, there's like the, what's it like to write code with it? What are the things I can do with it? What does it do? Okay. Um, and then so from basically, an operational standpoint, mm-hmm. how does it run? They're kind of my two areas of curiosity. Okay. So basically, uh, you can build your data flow. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, data flow is uh, just... So you basically connect to data flow with your, like using operators and operators can be like input operator, read from Kafka, read from this uh, WebSocket, read from whatever. Then you can do like a regular um, operations like filter or uh, map or stateful map or like different things. And it also can uh, remember the state um, and uh, recover from it if something goes wrong and then you just uh, send that downstream with output or like print whatever yeah there you go. Some so you of the, the good old uh, input do stuff output that's kind of the kafka streams yeah, model yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of the link model it's, this, is, this is how one does i guess computing yeah. but also stream processing that's that's the way it happens yeah um, and uh, mm, Probably the most um, interesting operators like joints and things like that are still ahead of us. And also okay. it's still a linear uh, data flow for now, but uh, on our roadmap to make some, you know, uh, more like a sophisticated data flows so that you could send that to. Uh, um, like different parts of data flow. And in terms of how running, we have this uh, WaxCTL uh, tool that helps to uh, uh, work with uh, Kubernetes. So you can do that natively. And uh, recently we started like a, um, we started calling for people to use our platform uh, so if anyone interested, they can go to our website, bitewax.io and uh, find and sign up uh, to test our platform. Uh, so it's just uh, like a beta. Um, so it, it, it's it's a really fresh new product. So we, we haven't like started doing, you know, um, like we, we, we're still uh, in, you know, in, in progress. Uh, type Absolutely. of thing, early, but early days, yeah. still, yeah, early days. But we're excited and we see like interest from the community, and people are, you know, uh, found there too. Cool. You you mentioned stateful things, and I know, yeah, uh, it's early days, but you said, I forget, there was one of the things you said that was a stateful map. Like, what, what, yeah. what's the current support? What are the stateful operations? Those tend to be where things get interesting. So, what's the current state of that stuff? Um, like you mean you mean in like what are the tools that people use for the stateful map and or uh, how it looks in in, in, in yeah what are the what are the stateful things that it does maybe tell me tell me what a stateful map is because that sounds like an interesting um so basically the difference between uh just the map the map is then when you um have a an element you do an operation and you send the result downstream right uh, right. So you don't care what it was before, uh, what it was like, what was happening, and you just do everything like step by step, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Stables. And with the yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And stateful, um, it has accumulator accumulator uh, that you care about from the previous state, and you can use that in your calculations. I thought for a second that in the new version we used something, uh, we added something else, but we didn't. So apologies for like, you know, uh, it just um, and it's commonly used for, for example, for anomaly detection uh, when you see the previous state what the average was, and you could like compare that to like your current state, and you can see that your outliner, for example, um, and things there like you that go. It moves. Moves outside mm -hmm. the moving average or that kind of thing. Okay. Yes, cool. yes, yeah, yeah. Cool. Something like that. Um, and a yeah, question, I don't know if you know, and I, I mm -hmm. know I certainly don't, is can you, when you have that stateful map, um, mm -hmm. can you get at the elements in the map? Can you like from outside that go and look and see like here's the current average or is it is it just available? Yeah, in there is accumulator in. in nice. Uh, yeah, we just yeah. recorded. I just recorded an episode a few days ago with Bill Bedrick. Mm -hmm. He's a Kafka committer, and we talked about the Kafka Streams interactive queries thing, which is that same thing where you've got state that you've accumulated and you want to like go query it, and mm -hmm. that's um, that's a way. You know, you've got events happening in your event stream, and you might want to make the current state of the average or whatever it is queryable. Right, like you, you want to ask a question. So, yeah. That, and I've been, I've, uh, we, I know you and I talked about this before the recording. Uh, I've been on this kick lately on the podcast, thinking about querying streams um, because streams themselves, and and you mentioned two very different kinds of inputs. You said Kafka and WebSockets. I and, did. You know, I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. This is not just a Kafka thing. There's, you know, things happen in yeah. the world and, and it, you have other, you know, you don't care where the events come from. You just want to provide yeah. a Python, yeah, Python yeah. native process them. Um, so um, that stream though, is you just, you just get the next thing. It's a, it's a log. It's, it's not a thing you can ask questions about. So when you want to make it queryable, um, what do you do? Or maybe the better way to ask that question is, and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on this. When do you do one versus the other? Cause I might take a stream and dump it into a Postgres table or something, or I might, mm -hmm. I might ingest it into Apache Pino, you know, and, and have all kinds of funky indexes and complex queries. And, it, you know, it's like, go be a database. And when, when do you think about how to do one versus the other? Because you are on the more stream processing end of things. And these are both tools that we need. So how do you think about when one tool is applicable versus the other? Uh, so I, I don't think I, I decide between one or another necessarily. I, I probably need them both. But uh, if we talk about particular uh, challenge, um, I'm going to use something that uh, our CEO, Xander, uh, was talking about at um, Data Console. He had a talk there, and he was talking about how, um, 
like analytical systems are different from operational. So he classified uh, these two things into two buckets. And basically they both are um, care about like freshness because um, it's uh, like a, uh, you need something in real time um, and it needs to be fresh. So low latency, freshness. And the third point is different for these two kinds of systems. One is that retrieval, when we want to answer questions that we want to think, like, for example, why 50% of our customers do that or this or like whatever. And then you indeed want to use like Pino or Postgres, whatever, load your data, think about this, do analysis and things like that. But when you um, care about reactiveness, when uh, you want to get the reaction on something in real time by machine, not necessarily a person, then it comes to uh, stream processing. Think of two examples. The first one is, and I do that on purpose, uh, is who viewed your profile on LinkedIn? Just so, ran <laughs> off the top of your head. Yes, go on. <laughs> it's actually, he used that uh, in his talk. And oh, it's cool. interesting. Yes, it's interesting because I was like, I was like well, it's Pino. <laughs> you don't know yeah. if you're listening. That's part of the origin story of Pino, and we've talked yes, about that. Yes, exactly, time. exactly. And yeah, I was surprised to see that, but, and and then I learned about like I don't even remember which order, but anyway. So if you view something, you like analyze that, and that's no actual reaction from you on this information like nothing happens in real time for you like you can you can like you know mm, do your decision based on that information because it came to you in real time and something but actually there is there is a human input in that mm-hmm. versus for example um with this anomaly detection let's let's think about fraud detection in bank Mm-hmm. When they run through transaction and they see something uh, looks like a fraud, like unusual usage of your card or whatever, they just block it immediately as a robot. And then they send you like a text message and say, hey, we think it's fraud. Can you confirm it's not you or you or like whatever? Right. Right. And then they change this. But initially they react immediately. Like they change it and... You go. So these are two kind of different uh, cases that I think uh, of, like reactive versus uh, retrieval. Like when you ask many questions about this same di- like span of data and things like that, versus like when you I, I need to react immediately. Yeah, it's it's there are some it's interesting because like I I want to say. If a machine is reading it, it's a stream processor. If you're serving it to a human, it's a database. And that's that covers a lot of the cases, but sometimes a machine is reading the database. Like if you're doing anomaly detection in third eye, which is our anomaly detection yeah. layer on top of Pino, um, well, a machine is reading Pino then. But in any case, if it goes into a database, it 
it doesn't go back into the streams. I think that's that's part, you know, your output. Oh yeah, terminal. That's that's what uh, I wanted to say that it's yeah. terminal for for the process like after you yeah. saw uh, that uh, your like uh, how many people s saw a page? You, you, it it doesn't go back to the stream and it doesn't say. Versus when you send this um, text message back and say, "Hey, that's me," then it you know can do something. Or another example is the automatic uh, stock market when uh -huh. you know it goes and the system yeah. reacts, robots react, yeah. and you know it goes down streaming. Yeah, yeah, good, that, that, all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, also there are other dimensions like uh, your team and exposed APIs. Some people prefer and feeling more comfortable working with SQL-like um, APIs and that's what they want, right? Or like also based on different ecosystems like Python is really good for like many things in the ecosystem, especially in uh, machine learning and everything. It has many libraries. Maybe people want to stick with it. Maybe they want something else. And yeah, so many things. They want, they want the flexibility of how to think about that computation when they're in the middle of some process mm -hmm. and their outputs go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but still, I, I wouldn't think that it's uh, um, exclusion if you use something that you like use only that. No, for, like right. I, it I would think be two tools that you're going to solve different. You're going to have both mm -hmm. tools in your system, and you're just going to solve different kinds of problems with each one. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So. My guest today has been Ali Maxova. Ali, thanks for being a part of the Real Time Analytics Podcast. Thank you. And there you have it. If you feel compelled to help us spread the word and grow the real-time analytics community, you can give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you're watching us on YouTube, hey, subscribe and of course, hit that notification bell. And you can always share your favorite episodes on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever it is you do social media. Thanks, and I look forward to talking to you in the next episode.